Yes, it's me, Mike Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. It's the fastest, it's the friendliest, and it's for all the family. The Gas Shocks 116 Trophy and 120 Coupe Cup are the fastest growing race series in the UK, taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits. Visit 116trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel. From a pot of tea to TT motorbikes. From a classic English breakfast to a full serving of classic cars. Bridge House Tea Rooms is the Northwest Premier Classic Car Meeting location for cars, bikes, tractors, and owners clubs. So no matter what your automotive appetite might be, visit Bridge House Farm Tea Rooms on their Facebook page or call John and Alicia on 07980-444-221 for show details and to reserve your own table and parking space. I'd like to introduce to the Backseat Driver Radio Show, Derek Drinkwater. It's a case of where do you start with Derek Drinkwater? Racing driver, rally driver, owns 30-odd American vehicles. He's recreated the famous Cadillac Monsters, the truck from Jewel. Basically, I need to introduce Derek and let him let him tell us in his own words. Derek, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Hello, yes, thank you. Same thing, everyone. Um, yeah, great show, by the way. Where exactly did all this stop? I mean, besides all your racing and rallying, you're into TV work and everything else. Somewhere along the lines, you also run a catering company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It started the back garden. We've got a large back garden, and me and my friend, 14 years old, decided we wanted to play around with cars, and we used to buy, I can remember, it's just such a shame, we had an old umber, so we used to buy cars, like, I think, 15 or 20 pounds, and then just race them in the field down the back. Yeah. And it all progressed from there, and then we did drag racing, we built Capri that we raced, and it was post-world in fabricating, my father had cranes, that sort of thing, so I was always driving trucks. Yeah. And it's progressed car racing cars then we had a little bit of a lapse for a little while where i had to work to earn a living <laughs> <laughs> and then building different things as we got into is very rowing something gypsy but when i met my new partner she was we started to start making business which was the first one was a fire engine yeah 19, 49 France that then was a, turned it into a mobile bar. Yeah. And we got both those cars. I've always been into, I've been into cars forever. And she was saying, make the business more American. She loves American stuff. And then we created the catering business where we, things like Shieldstone Classic, Goodwood Revival. But then the cars, the racing, all added, but what we love doing is recreating something from the past. Yeah. We started Stoic Pound Racing with Mustang, then went on from there with the 64 Galaxy, we did Spa Six Hour, 
but the catering business is always in the background. Yeah. The only summer, summer thing we do. So you, you're trying to work a little bit of pleasure with the business, but we were just very lucky that we were taking the, the catering units to car shows and meeting yeah. you know, way up down the country, different places. And you're involved with people with cars. So yeah. it's just a fascinating group from whether it's classic cars, hot rods, or yeah, yeah. everyone's excited about everyone else's car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's face it, you've done a lot more than the catering. You've raced at the Le Mans Classic, you've raced at Bonneville. You raced at Bonneville in a car that technically didn't exist much before you and, got there. <laughs> what happened, we bought one of, a, one of our catering units, we, we bought a truck in the States in Oregon, um, which is a 48 Peterbilt. Because um, they had this idea of building the jaw, the jaw truck yeah. as a catering unit. So... We were struggling, we couldn't board it, we couldn't get it in a container because it was too big. <laughs> we decided to fly on to book Ben's workshop. We spent two weeks, shall we say, pimping the ride. Yeah. Getting it up to scratch. And we were going, the idea was to drive it from Oregon to Texas. Yeah. Two, two and a half thousand miles. And I think we nearly died in it. We've got, we had 300 miles snowstorm. Yeah. No heater. Packed in a sleeping bag. Anyway, so we went on from there. But we stopped at And we stopped there, took some photographs, and that sort of led the seed, as it were. Yeah. Got home, spoke to my friend in the States, and said, But what's he doing? Bonneville. And he's gone, That's funny, because we'd just been offered a 31 Chevy. Yeah. And I probably a bit green, I thought, maybe have a cover. And he said he'd work on it, but he was very busy, so we'd go out there, walked an RV, spent a month, and we had a month, sorry, building this car, but when we turned up, all there was was a body, chassis, obviously, as he was, an engine somewhere else, and so we ended up building this car. We built it in 17 days and nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, interesting. Um, most of the stuff I've never worked on. The yeah, I have an inline eight Buick three twenty. Yeah, that we didn't realise was a very rare engine, and didn't have an engine stand because it was too heavy. But we got to Bonville, and the whole thing was, if we for us, it wasn't about going fast. It was doing it old school, and getting through scrutineering. Yeah. We didn't. They they'd spent four hours and we didn't get through. We had we worked out about sixteen foot of extra tube, yeah, or tube roll cage we had to put in the car, and we had suicide doors. We need double dot. There was loads of things, but with the help of four cars we met, we had oh about. Let me just think. One, two, three. There's hell that everyone was asking everyone. Yeah. yeah. Can we find stuff? Because there is nothing of Bonneville. You expect you you go down the corner shop and buy bits and pieces, but there is nothing. Yeah. And got it all done, went back to scrutineering, and they passed it. They give us a, a approval to, because that's the sort of thing you don't understand. You read the rule books, but they inspect the car. There's four guys inspect your car. 
you have to do a bailout. You get in the car, you have to tell them you're getting out the car, and then you get out the car. Yeah. And then they approve you to drive. Yeah. So they give you a speed limit that you can't go over. And you do your rookie run. Then after your rookie run, you can, every time you want to go faster, you tell them what you're going to do, and they approve that, and then you do it. But you can't, if you go 10 miles an hour faster or slower, technically you won't do it again, because that means you're not in control of the speed you're doing, which is, there's all these things no one actually tells you. But we got, Carl got through scrutineering, we got a grand speed of 65 miles an hour, and we had, we had no idea the carbs were wrong, the, the Everything we bought was just off the shelf rather than having set it up. And we had this old chap come and have it help us. And then we, I think we actually ended up doing 101 or 102 miles an hour Yeah, in, in the car, which was dark. We're probably the only person to build a car in 17 days. <laughs> yeah. Most normal people take ages and get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Greenwater just goes out there and has a go at it. <laughs> but we only had that much time. <laughs> yeah. So that was the sort of Bonneville. We've been back again a few times. We've now got another car, a 29 Roadster. I've got my, we've done 162 miles an hour. So I have my license for 160 miles an hour, which is good. Yeah. So that's, but the problem is while we're doing Bonneville and trying to finance that we're also doing circuit car racing yeah that we we are we've not i suppose the word is budget races we have not got a big budget for racing we're just like joke blocks but to do the big races you've got to have a big pocket and finance cars because a lot of cars unless it's raced there before it won't be allowed to race. No. We tried to find, I wanted to do, Le Mans was on my bucket list. We had this bucket list, which is quite extensive. Le Mans was on one of them. Yeah. Pat, for two years, has been looking for a Cadillac. So she managed, she's a finder. Yeah. She managed to find a, a Cadillac, a manual, so it was a proper manual car, that then we bought, that was in Oregon, drove it down to California, bought it back, applied for an entry, got an entry for it, and we hadn't quite finished the car yet, but we got the entry. Yeah. Which was a an experience like Bonneville, I suppose. Every every different aspect of racing has their own, shall we say, wonder of the world. Yeah. We've we've been I haven't competed at Goodwood, but Goodwood's amazing. Le Mans is the same thing. We yeah. got there and it was just the people fantastic. The French people love the Cadillac. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the other thing is as well, a Cadillac at Le Mans is, is an unusual thing. Yes, you do. In modern days, you get the American cars, but you get the Corvettes and all this carry on. To see a Cadillac would be truly unusual for, shall we say, modern viewers. Yeah. It's, we, we prior to that, we raced it at Brands, and that was interesting trying to get around Brands in it. But Le Mans, there was, there was a, we were in the pits, and this guy works for Stan 21. Yeah. He came up and... By the way, I, I, wear, I wear their racing gear. It's, it's, it's probably the most expensive racing clothing you can go and buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dream about owning some. But, but this guy, his name was John. I can't 
be surname. He came up to me and he said, Mr. Cunningham sat me in, not this car, but the original car when I was 10 years old. Yeah. So I said, you're going to have to sit in this one then. And he had, he sat in the car and he said, although we've got a modern radio, not new, we still have a radio in it. Yeah. He run his hands across the steering wheel in the dash and he cried. <laughs> he said, it's amazing. I'm so pleased that you've gone to the effort to bring something back. And what he didn't necessarily realize at that stage that we had an engine built by someone famous. So I'll leave it there. And we did two laps qualifying yeah. and the engine died completely. And lucky enough, we just happened to buy four or five months before another 50 Cadillac yeah. that hadn't been used since 92 that we drove as our drive around car. Yeah. So that's the Friday night. We took the engine out of that car, put in the race car, and then finished it by the following morning. Yeah. So we raced with a bulk standard engine as they would have done in 1950. <laughs> but with the first two races, we just took it. We said to the other driver, Roly, that we would take it easy because obviously the engines hadn't really done that much, etc. But on the last day, on the last hour, sorry, we said that we'd try a bit harder. Yeah. And we actually did a 6.33 or 6.35 minute lap yeah. past the Lancia Aurelia. <laughs> she was quite surprised. <laughs> At one point, she said, all I could see is the headlights behind my bumper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, was, unfortunately, we didn't finish because we had a gear problem. And I think about half a lap towards the end, uh, we qualified as finishing, but we, we, you know, half a lap, we broke down. Yeah. Once we got having then, we had a car that was driving, race car that was driving, then another car, no engine. Yeah. So we decided to put the other car in the transporter, and then one of the team guys drove the race car back. So yeah. it not only raced, it then drove all the way back to England. <laughs> but I'm being funny, that's how they used to do it. Like Aston Martin, Porsche, they used to drive their cars to the events, race them, yeah. and provided they hadn't done anything to them, drive them back home again. I actually wonder whether that would be worth trying to get people on board and have a race where the cars have to drive, that'd be street legal, have to drive and then return if they're still not broken. Yeah. But I also think people, although they wanted to win, they also were driving the cars sort of protect him a little bit because he knew they had to drive him home. Yeah, well, I mean, that, just just as a quick aside, that happens in, I think, in certain of the big classic car shows in America. They have yeah. to drive X amount before they're allowed to go on show. They can't just trailer them there and trailer them back. They are not ornaments. They've got to prove they, they, they go. What do they call them? Trailer queens. Trailer queens, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think there's maybe we ought to campaign for that. That would be a good one. But So we got home and... I said to the, the the wife that I want to build the monster, and she said, "No, no, you're not building it. You, you, you haven't got the money here. You've got this car, you've got that car. You're not building it." 
Just uh, just putting in anybody who doesn't know what the monster is. Uh, it was a Cadillac racing car that I don't think you'll be insulted, Derek, when I say it is singularly unusual to look at. I, I'd probably say ugly, ugly. I didn't want to yeah, say yeah, that. I thought I wanted salty guys. Striking ugly duckling. It's it looks more. Like, we actually drove it down to the coast one day and we put it uh, next to the the you know, the harbour. Yeah, and. Yeah, he looks more like a boat. Yes, yeah. we'll be honest, you know. Um, I mean, it was an attempt at aerodynamics that you often wonder, did it fail? And I think it did, in fairness. Because <laughs> 130, it gets very light. Yeah. Keen to get the brakes on. Yeah. But we had uh, some sort of conversation with a guy that he's got loads of classic stuff. And I said to him, I was looking for a spare engine, because obviously now we only had one engine. And he's got an engine, but I've also got a chassis. Yeah. And it was in that year, Cadillac did a number of short wheel chassis, yeah. which actually failed financially. They then changed it the following year. Yeah. Um, and I bought the chassis and I said to Pat, I've got, I've got a chassis. She said, yeah, yeah. So what? I said, but it's the right length chassis. It's the short wheelbase. Yeah. And then it started. <laughs> it, they, it escalated as, you, as it were but the problem is we had to cut the chassis but we were then doing a TV program called Carnage which was like Mad Robot Wars real life yeah and I started a little bit of it and we had to then get an entry and to have an entry for Le Mans you have to have a car yes but at that stage... It is a bit of a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> I only had parts of the car. <laughs> Bless them. And they, oh, I think they were sympathetic to me at that stage. So we had the side of the car with a bit of paint on it. We mocked it up. And we sent them a photograph. And I said, oh, it's not finished yet, but it will be finished. If we have an entry, that would be paid the, the entry fees. You have to do that till it gets refused. But by then, I was off to Africa filming. Yeah. And I was in Africa, and Pat phones up and said, because we actually didn't get on the first list, so I didn't think we were entered. Yeah. We were then got in on the reserve list. And we had this Pat phone called me and called me on the phone, and she said, we're in. I said, what do you mean we're in? She said, we've got an entry. I said, we didn't have one. She said, we've got in on reserve. So she was then busy getting an engine, trying to get an engine built, and all the bottom end done, all the parts done, and I came back in the February, where we had to then build a car. Yeah. I just locked myself in the workshop day and night, and she was my manager and such. She was finding the parts, getting the parts. But what we wanted to do is recreate the car. Yeah. As, as close as we could to the original, because for us, it's how they did it in 1950. Yeah. And... Bar for a slightly bigger hoop because your head sticks above it. And if I'm going to race it seriously, I don't want that knocked off. No. Um, well, yeah, it's just no matter how good uh, your stand 21 helmet is, when you're upside down, yes. they, do not, they do not have any form of braking assist on them. <laughs> so we recreated it and off we, went to the, off we went to go to Le Mans. Yeah. We had... And when we got there, and there's a lot of it was. It's interesting whether people like it or love it or not love it. There's been lots of write-ups. 
But I'm not um, being funny. It's such an ugly car. It's mesmerising, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I know one guy at Silverstone came up and he said that's an ugly car, and Pat sometimes takes it a little bit personally, and yeah. she said, "Are your children about?" <laughs> <laughs> you you can't because if you look at it practically, a car looks like a brick. Yeah, with the edges shaved off of it. And yeah, it was, as far as we understand. Both Cadillacs were the first V8 overhead valve engine to race. Yeah. And in production, I think, I'm not sure, Buick might have had one going, I'm not sure, but but basically the Cadillac was the first overhead V8 engine to race, which changed history, yeah. as, as everyone knows it. But it also went in a, a crop-dusting wind tunnel. Now, I'm not sure whether a crop-dusting wind tunnel is different to a normal wind tunnel because I think they got it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and it does go light. The car, 130, starts to want to lift up. Yeah. But it had a two-way radio fitted in 1950. Yeah. It only worked when it went past the pits. Yeah. But it had it. So conversations um, could be somewhat long-winded. <laughs> yeah, you had to get in what was going on pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Line, the speed Cadillac goes, you had a bit more time yeah. than you imagined. But for the originals, we, we were lucky enough to Revs Institute. Fantastic place. If anyone's in Florida, go there. Because it is just amazing what they've got there with the cunning collection and, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Um, and it's all the heritage places. They all need to be supported. But they gave us photographs, images, everything. And they even gave us, a re not a recording, but a, a write-up recording of what the drivers did. Yeah. So what they were in first gear, what they did in second gear and everything. And for us, reading that, going through it, building this kind of five-carb setup. Yeah. And just making that. But the whole thing when we got to Le Mans was the French especially loved the car. Yeah. Now, there was a write-up saying recently, I think someone from Goodwood uh, did a write-up, and someone else was commenting, and they said the French called it the monster. Yeah. The little monster, because they hated the car. It was yeah. hideous. <laughs> but, and, I, I, and I wish I knew a little bit more French, because from my idea, the monster comes from the term broadster. Yeah. Um, but it's a hideous car, but they like the idea of it. Yeah. And the original cars, I think the coupe came 10th, the monster came 11th. Yeah. But the monster, three laps in, hit the sand. Yeah. Took 30 minutes into the sand. And then... Towards the end, through I think three or four laps towards the end, lost third gear. Yeah. So to come eleventh after that is an amazing result. It's a shame I think if it would have come second, which in hindsight we're all not having the problems. Yeah. They might have had more monsters racing <laughs> that year. <laughs> but it's it's a fascinating thing to be involved in. Because you put people in the car, you watch their faces, you watch people, and the race car people stand back and look at it and think, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah. great 
I'm honoured to drive. I love building it. I'm honoured to drive it. Yeah. And every time we go to a race, the, the information we get, I send back to the museum. Yeah. And they keep it on record because the monster did, the monster and the caddy did one race, but we've carried on that history. Yeah. And, and for me to be at Le Mans, there was a, it was a funny thing because we were practicing the Le Mans start. Just for me, start was an important as the race. Yeah. So we did a little thing where I'd run up, run up the distance, run and jump in. And we did this for 10 or 15 times. Yeah. And then we went to get to the start line and the ignition switch wouldn't work. <laughs> so we've got thousands of people around us at Le Mans. We're on, I think there's a Bugatti, the track to the start before you get onto the racetrack. Yeah. And everyone's left. The race marshal's come up with his earphones and he's going, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, uh, can't get it going. It's dead completely. The mechanics came over and I, a few chosen words that I won't repeat, but I said, get it running. Just, 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 I don't care what you do, get it running. So it had no tools. One of the crowd chuck over one of his Swiss army knives with the power tires, which yeah. is shorted across. And, and I'm saying to the marshal, how long have we got? And he's gone, and he's obviously listening to the cars because they're must, you know, they're coming round. Yeah. And he said, "You're okay." And then he said, "You need to get going." So we've managed to get the car running. Ever the crowd roar. It was just you know, enthusiastic. That yeah. People like, yeah. 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 You know, it's it's going. And what I did realize when I get onto the fire up lane, uh, they've already done a lap. Yeah. Because uh, I'm so worked up, we're not going to get a race, etc. They've done the Le Mans start. Yeah. I've still got bruises from my practicing that I now can't do. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've all gone past. Green light's gone and I've gone out. Of course, I still haven't really realized that I thought we were then on the warm-up lap. Yeah. They're racing. I'm into the race and the car's everywhere. Yeah. Because I've got no warm tires. I ended up coming back into the pits and I'm saying, so I've got a flat tire. And he said, no, 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 you need to get your butt back out there. He said, the tires are cold. (laughs) 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 But it was, it's just that it's people's car for the French. I think the French love it more than a lot of other countries, but we've, we've got a following now. With both caddies, and when we go with both caddies, we went to Brooklands one Christmas. One Christmas day, I think they do a, a New Year's Day at Brooklands, or they did do. Yeah, we took both Cadillacs, and people just love the idea that you're driving your race car to a car event. Yeah, yeah, no matter what it is, and and just being the public, allowing the public in the car, taking a photograph. It's all about what it. It's about what it is should be. Yeah. People, those people that I know the cars are precious. They're a lot of money, but the puppy just love being involved in it. Yeah. But so the monsters, a character. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's. Yeah, we were at Silverstone last the year before now. Um, Twenty nineteen. That's it. Doing the classic. And we were on the reserve list. It was bucketing down with rain. 
and we went out to qualify, did the qualifying, and we've gone in towards the finish line on the S bend. Yeah. And as I've gone to turn in, there was this little lotus. And the only reason I could see the lotus because I could see this crash helmet on the side of my car. <laughs> so I turned out, gone into a big double spin in the distance. And gone back on, missed him. I didn't touch him. He's gone off. And then come back again after qualifying. And this Italian guy come up and he was hugging me, kissing me. He said, thank you, thank you. He said, I, I thought I'd sneak in and... You missed me. <laughs> <laughs> now, one question that has to be asked, Cadillacs and some of the other big American cars that you you race, what are they like to race? Because, I mean, they are big cars. They, they wallow about a little bit. It's like you said, the steering, you can put three turns on before it'll actually bother doing anything for you. What are these cars like to drive at race speed? Um... The, the Mustang I used to have, which is a baby as, as, as far as big cars go, we, when we raced the Galaxy, the 64 Galaxy of Spa 6 Hour, that was very similar to the Mustang. Yeah. The only problem is you haven't got, with the, all the, to keep the car legal, you have to have the brakes homologated, etc. The brakes are the same as the Mustang. Yeah. The Mustang goes 12, 1500 kilos. The Galaxy is two tons. Well, 2,000 kilos. <laughs> there is no plastic on it. It's all steel bumpers. It's as it comes from the factory, basically. Yeah. less some some windows and interior. But we race the Galaxy, and that... And everyone sees the Galaxies at Goodwood, and you know what they're doing. But you have to be fit. There are no brakes. The brakes run out pretty quickly, unless you've got aftermarket brakes that you shouldn't have. And... If you're at Spa, there's, when it rains, it looks like little lakes that go across the racetrack. Yes. And you then get to the point where, do you brake before it, which means you're going too slow? Or do you brake over it, which is scary? Or do you brake afterwards, knowing that when you get out of that bend, you've then got to pump the brakes to get them back again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think there's a little video of the co-driver, Wayne, driving. And he's gone round a bend, and as he comes out the bend, you can see him pumping his foot to get the brakes back again. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a little thing, I think there was a, I think there was 128 cars in, in the race at Spa that year. And about two or three laps around, and there's look, there's GT4Gs, there's all Austins, there's there is everything yeah. in that race. But I can remember coming into the chicane, and all I could hear was these. It sounded like bees, like a swarm, but it was a swarm of GT40s. <laughs> and I looked, I could hear them, and I could think, oh, they're in close up. And there was about five. Behind me, beside me, I think one might have been underneath me. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I'm coming into this bend. I haven't realized they're there. So I ended up putting the car sideways to make sure they didn't try and squeeze past me. Yeah. And then everyone gave me a wide berth after that, which means <laughs> we didn't get damaged. <laughs> but the Galaxy was quite a safe one. The Caddy, the Saloon, the Coop, sorry, I can only describe that as driving an inboard powerboat. Yeah. And anyone that's driven one of those, a big V8 powerboat, but at low speed, you've got no steering. Yeah. 
But what happens is as you go into a chicane, you've got to turn early. Yeah. Because that, again, is sort of 1,800, 1,900 kilos. Yeah. So you start turning, and you've got to remember there's no race-spec equipment on these on a lot of the old cars because they have to be as they were in 1950. Yeah. Bar for a slightly heavier spring, an anti-roll bar and some dampers. So you turn in, and as you immediately turn in at speed, you have to then grab the steering wheel on one side, which for anyone racing, you keep your hands at 10 to 10 to 2, isn't it? About 10 to, uh, quarter to 3, 10 to 2, yeah, because the modern, the modern steering wheel, especially the modern racing steering wheel, has it that it anchors your hands where they need to be. Yes. But when you're in something like the Cadillac, you have to grab hold of one side, so you're literally pulling on one side, like you were pulling a chain, to then gravel with it because of the weight transfer is not happy. Yeah. And then before you go into the... So you've gone into the first bend, turning, then you're trying to hanker it around this, and before you even get to the next bend, you're then trying to pull the steering back the other way. Yeah. So it's like a powerboat. Yeah. And it's an exercise. You you race it at brands and you know you've done an hour because then you've got no brakes. Yeah. A Le Mans is a little bit different because you've got a longer gap in between. It's an eight and a, eight and a quarter kilometres, I believe, or miles. I yeah. I should know. So um, I'll get slapped for that. So you've got a little bit more time, but it is. And then you've only got three gears. Yeah. So you don't use first. You try not to use too much a second. And and if you don't go in fast and out fast, you haven't got enough pickup because it's 160 brake horse. Yeah. That's it. Um, so to get your speed back up again, you know, takes you the following day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's sort of the monsters of different kettle fish because... Everything's lower. It's, I think, 250 kilos lighter. The fuel tank's in a slight similar place, but it's up more in the middle. It's a little bit more like driving a slow go-kart. Yeah. Steering's easier. In actual fact, you've got to, once you steer in, you need to keep hold of it unless it's, you've got limited steering. Because of the skirts on the sides, you haven't got a full lock. Yeah. And it got, probably half the steering you usually have. So if you go in a bit too quick and you start to spin, you can't correct it. You're in, you're in for a ride, basically. <laughs> it's, I spun the big, the, the Porsche curbs. Yeah. And that was interesting. I was first time for a while that I thought that I needed a new pair of trousers. <laughs> but the monster's exciting for me because... It wants to get. I keep watching the film with Le Mans versus GT40. Oh, um, Le Mans 60, Le Mans 66. It's a fa fantastic it. film, isn't it? Film. Yeah, awesome. And I've worn one CD out. Yeah. I'm on the second one. <laughs> and I keep, there's phrases that keep coming from there. And all I keep saying to Pat is, Pat, it wants to go to Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> but when we raced at Le Mans, we unfortunately. We lost the brakes. Yeah. We had brake problems probably after the first race. We always, we had gearbox problems as well. Because in Le Mans, you have three races through the 24 hours. Mm. 
the second race in the night time, I raced with no brakes. Yeah. That was... Don't yeah. forget Enzo Ferrari's adage, you don't need brakes on racing cars. No, no, it just slows you down. They yeah. get in the way. I think I managed to do a seven-minute lap with yeah. no brakes. Yeah. But on the following day, we thought we, we changed everything. We thought we fixed it. And unfortunately, we did the first session, the second session. He went into the chicane and, and he had back brakes and locked up, Yeah, basically. So that was our our end of the show. The goal is to finish. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got an entry this year for Le Mans. So we're keen, obviously, fingers crossed, everything goes on to get out there. Yeah. Done a lot of work on the car with the brakes, just making sure the dual system works okay. But I think... What happened to us, unfortunately, we built the car, didn't do enough testing because it wasn't enough time. Yeah. And there was luck in the system. So when it went from the master cylinder, it was just bleeding. It was okay if you pumped it. Yeah. It was going past. We, we'd done last, not last year, before 2019, we did a race with it at Brands Hatch, which was an hour. And had no brake failure, two spins. Yeah. But we ended up winning our class. The others, but I must say, the others didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd say you've got to be in it to finish it. Yes. <laughs> well, I must say, Derek, that's been absolutely fascinating. We could have, we could, we could do you a two-part show or a three-part show. <laughs> but on the proviso you race at Le Mans, it depends what goes on. I'd love to invite you back to talk about your racing classic Le Mans in 2021 I hope but Derek yes. Drinkwater it's been absolutely fascinating thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver radio show no thank you it's been a, it's been a privilege thanks so much indeed Derek take care thank you bye bye